Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Only Podcast. We know you've missed us. It's your co-host, Austin Smith, joined as always by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can find us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at Believe Network. Guys, football is back, in case you didn't know. And Bet Online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up-to-the-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football right at your fingertips. With Bet Online's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds from week one all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl, Bet Online gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to receive your 50 50%? 50%? 50 mm. 50 something. Welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. John, my first question. What is a mobile device if not a phone? That's never made sense to me. Mm, yeah, I guess you could walk around with a tablet. That's mobile. I don't know. Palm Pilot? Sure. Uh, right. Blackberry? Those exist? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Hot start. Brad, you know, I wanted to talk to you because since you left and had more fun than me the past <laughs> couple of weeks, how was your trip? Trip was great. I went over overseas across the pond to lovely London, and then a, a brief jaunt down to France. Uh, it was a lovely vacation. I think one of the funniest things I noticed, I did have some sports takeaways from the trip. The So while I was in London, the first NFL game in London was taking place. It was Jags-Falcons. And <laughs> I don't know if it's like the greatest marketing campaign like uh, like flash mob type of deal, or if really the NFL is just as popular, but I saw so many random jerseys, random cool. NFL jerseys. Sure. People walking together wearing Patriots gear and Giants gear and Vikings gear. I would say 10% at most speaking English. It was it was just a wild phenomenon. And I like to think that there's a marketing executive in the NFL head office that's like, we're going to just start sending jerseys to people. Doesn't matter who they are. Doesn't matter where they live. And we're just going to send them jerseys and tickets. We're going to hope they show up and walk around the city. And, and if that marketing executive exists and is listening to this show, kudos to you because what you were doing worked big can time. We, can we rewind? You said you were in England where I believe – I got to believe English was originated. And you said 10% uh, of the people were speaking that language? Tops. It tops. Wow. It seemed wow. to me, honestly, well, that were of the NFL wearing population. Mm. Okay. Now, what still I will odd. say, still very strange, but I will also say that um, the, of the, you know, you look at the pie chart, NFL teams, Jags yeah. making up a big slice of that pie outsized number of Jags gear. And hmm. not surprisingly, if you drill into that slice of the pie, much higher English speaking 
percentage of that specific slice of the pie than any of the others. You know, Jacksonville, I can imagine, resonates as a city with a lot of, like, the not nicer parts of London. Like, I can see there being a nice little crossover there. <laughs> um, yeah. Just, like, kind of like the, uh, I don't know, just the the Jacksonville to me is just kind of a little bit of an armpit and uh I can see like I don't know it's it makes sense to me is what I'm saying (laughs) yeah Uh, I the fact that they are so heavily represented there is very funny to me that that was the org that they're like you know who we're gonna continue to just send to London year after year the Jacksonville Jaguars. Who's going to fight us? Like, you know, like no one's going to yeah. get mad about that. Um, hey, who do you think that because Michigan State has a head coach position open, in what world can we, is there an idea here where we could hire an EPL manager? Listen. To sort of reverse Ted Lasso this thing? I, if, if, if anybody could do it, it would be Pep. Uh, for those of you who are you you uneducated swine, Pep Guardiola is Man City's manager. One of the one of probably probably the goat. Um, yeah, I say we try, right? Like make him say no. Make, make him say, him no. say no. <laughs> make him say no. Uh, yeah, I'd say we go for it, man. I love the idea. Or just hire Jason Sudeikis. At this point, with some of the candidates that get thrown out there, he might as well just coach the team. Just read the speeches from here. <laughs> Like, you don't even have to coach. Just take just, the scripts. Just tape believe above every door and don't yeah. even hire a coach. Incredible. Uh, do you want to talk about our hot board? Yeah, I think we should because the last time we talked was, you know, kind of fresh on the heels of all of the insanity that uh, struck. And it didn't really feel like a super appropriate time to start talking candidates. But guess what? It does now. Wait, I, I, two weeks ago? Two weeks ago, Austin, an actual candidate, like there was conversation about like Mark D'Antonio coming back and coaching the team again. I just, that's how long ago it was. Yeah. Yeah. No. (laughs) No. People were like not opposed to it for a minute. Yeah. That's, that's, that's called shock. That's called (laughs) dealing early stage. Yeah. The early stages of, of I don't know, yeah, just coping with what's going on at your yeah. university, but um, yeah, I, I mean, John, do you want to just should we address the elephant in the room first and foremost so we can get on with the actual names? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, so the elephant in the room is that there have been uh, reports. I almost feel bad calling them reports because they're not one report, single reports. One reports from a from an account that may or may not be. <laughs> Uh, l- intentionally list the fact that they are propaganda in their handle more than anything else. Um, no, 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 no. Uh, but he's not helping, but we love him, but he's not helping. Uh, but th- yeah, a lot of people are saying urban Meyer and I just cannot believe that the amount of traction that this idea has gotten. And it almost feels like one of those things that started as a joke and then got serious and yep. is now back to a joke again. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that it's returned back to a joke because while on the field as a football coach, as a collegiate football coach, 
one of the best to ever do it. Like, make absolutely no mistake. Sure. I think even professionally in his time at, you know, with, with those Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there we go. A little through line. Um, I don't even necessarily think that that would hold me back from hiring him as a collegiate head coach again. I sure. really don't. Because, yeah, I mean, go down the list. There's been plenty of guys. Bill, save you know, well, save. They, save. Yeah. It's the only example you ever really need to give. But um, plenty of guys have gone to the NFL. Bill O'Brien came back to college football, didn't he? No. Maybe he went the other way. He went the other way. Whatever. Either way. Um, that wouldn't necessarily stop me. What's going Matt to Rule. stop me, Matt Rule, what's going to stop me is that he has, by all accounts, is not a great guy. Uh, <laughs> I'll stop. Well, I'm going to counter argument. Not a lot of college football coaches are. Continue. Now that's fair. Uh, <laughs> however, when you're looking at what Michigan State wants, what they should be looking for, and by all indications are looking for, it does not fit what Urban Meyer is. What he has done off the field, very publicly, not great looking. Uh, the way he's treated people within the facilities, dating back to Florida, not always the best. Again, some of that's noise. Some of that happens in every football building. But there are just too many things about urban Meyer that are too public and too close to home from, you know, what's happened with Michigan state here in the past that anybody with any type of character red flag is, or should be kind of automatically disqualified. So while you love to dream and think, Oh my God, urban Meyer, wouldn't that be fun? Amazing. What a great coach, all that. It just, just doesn't, it's just not going to happen. So it's better if you have the tinfoil hat on still to just go ahead and take that off, put it down until we need it for something else. That makes sense to me. I mean, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I do like the sentiment that our uh, fan base has had, like just kind of a little bit fed up. And that's like, this is totally a, re, you know, a con a repercussion and not surprising one where, you know, Oh, we do want to win. Right. Like that's what separates us from other programs, even in the Big Ten. Like we we have a large fan base that very much cares and we haven't quite gotten to the level of we will do anything to win like <laughs> SEC style. But but this opportunity, you know, prompted a knocking at the door. And I just don't think we have it in us. And I'm I'm OK with that. Like, I'm proud of that. And we're not there. And he is a great coach. Um, I think there are a lot of great coaches. And one thing to consider is, it's not to say he couldn't be great or good or at this, but he has not been a part of this new age of college football, which Correct. is a lot different than when he was here. I mean, the portal itself is not something you get great. I mean, it's tough. It's new. It's different. So he could be he could be great at it. I don't know. The, listen, the, the portal and NIL yeah. completely changed the job. I mean, the point of the matter is that's been around for three years. You, I mean, no one's resume with it is all that long. So it's hard uh -huh. to but we do know those. I think it it we the, those that have struggled with it more are those that have been around for longer. That's not a coincidence, I don't think. That's not a that's not a surprising thing. 
Um, and yeah, so I mean, that's a whole element, even this in this fictitious world where he's even a legitimate candidate, um, that would kind of disqualify him in a way. Uh, I want to hit on something you said, because I think it's a really good observation. If you think back to when Michigan State was looking for a head coach and that search ended in Mark D'Antonio, like I don't even think it's fair to look at the D'Antonio to Tucker search because it was just done under such impossible circumstances. It wasn't even really much of a search. Um, And so to look back at the last time Michigan State had a real live actual head coach search, you know, I don't remember, at least, the clamoring for the big name or the the sensation of being, like you said, John, fed up. I think everyone was kind of done with John L. just because he was oh, yeah. such, a, such kind of a, like, the, the show was so messy and, you know, people were just ready for something new. But people weren't saying, oh, we got to go get big fish. That's the brightest thing out there because the transparently, like, that fan base at that time of which we were both a part wasn't like they didn't have the recent history of being good for a long period of time. It didn't have the money. The, the pro, we and didn't have the money. <laughs> right. And now we do like, well now we do. And, and we have like, we, we feel, uh, and do we feel a little entitled? I We've think won. That- we consider ourselves as we should be in this specific echelon. I think that's okay because there's a model like we there's proof of concept like it's possible and that's why we feel a little entitled is like listen maybe it was a dream back in the aughts in the 90s that we could be a top 20 program year in and year out it's a reality now we've seen it and now we have even more resources at our disposal like why not and I think one thing to consider, Austin, is you know X's and O's, wins and losses are a mandatory on the resume. But one thing I don't think a lot of people are talking about, and I think is maybe one of, if not the most important part of the job interview, is proof and experience of fundraising beyond the school's um, yeah. expectations in the past and rallying donors together so you could find a unified NIL or streamlined NIL um, concept. If you've done that elsewhere, I'm already listening because you've seen it here. We have, a, it's, it's everywhere you have uh, fractured fan bases, um, fund, fundraising going to many different areas. You're not really sure how it's working. If, you, if, some, if a head coach could come in and CEO the hell out of that, I think you're going to see a really amazing candidate. I don't know who that is. I'm just saying that's got to be a huge part of the interview. Yeah, I think really. So as as we kind of pivot to to who actual candidates might be, if you think about the archetype, it really is Mark D'Antonio. Like, I, and this it sounds so you know like cliche colloquial like oh remember the good times but in reality Michigan State should be looking for somebody who is in a very similar situation represents a lot of the same things that Mark D'Antonio did when he was hired at Michigan State there are some things about it that I don't necessarily think are as important per se when you think about who who D'Antonio was when they hired him, right? 
He was a hotshot coordinator for a national championship team. Now, I'm not saying whoever this person is has to fit all these criteria. It's tough to be that coordinator for a national champion, right? There's only so many of them. Um, But was a big-time coordinator, went and got a solid job at the time, Cincinnati. Again, now now certainly a bigger stage than it was, but um, a a, a job. Had it for four years, consistently— Followed some big footsteps. He followed two guys that got out. So that program was good. Brian Kelly and Butch Jones. Well, they followed him. Oh, I'm sorry. Other way. Was it? Are you sure? Yeah, they followed him. Marcus okay, so Tony went to Michigan State. Brian Kelly went there the next year. And then Butch Jones followed him from okay. Central. The year okay, after so that. Right. So, I mean, he started. He them. made it a job that people wanted. That's cool. Good for him. It Even though he went 18 and 17, which is um, was a big... I remember people pointing at that and saying, are we sure? But it was, yeah, there were good reasons to hire him. But it, it, it's, it was more about the fact that, like, what did he bring to Michigan State? Mm-hmm. He brought sanity. He brought identity. He brought a program. He brought a unity. He brought a mission and just, like, leveled everything out. Mm-hmm. The Michigan State was a crazy place for those people that don't remember it. Like, John L., it, 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 was, just, it was just, like, insanity all the time the teams were so honestly on the field in a lot of ways the what we product we were watching now is not all that dissimilar like just very very undisciplined flashes of brilliance flashes of what is going on out there no i mean the the press conferences were much more entertaining than the ones we've seen actually because he slapped himself like that but just just craziness there was the the there was nobody really there was no adult in the room and it feels like with, that is kind of the point that we're at right now, too. With talent. That's the most frustrating part. Like, with right. talent. John L. lost with talent at certain positions, and you're like, what the hell? You see a lot of it here. Not across the board, but, like, the same kind of pops in talent. And you're like, how are we not doing more with this? Like, this, yeah. isn't, this is ridiculous. And so I think you're right. There is a proven proof of concept, and, you know, the names that are on that list are – Names that I think everyone on this podcast listeners would have heard of, right? Mm-hmm. I think so. So, so you, we have our little list, but then we have um, different names for fun. Do you want to give? Do you want which one? Do you want to do? Let's do the funny ones first, so people can get mad before we give actual ones. Okay. Um, well, we already did <laughs> Urban Meyer, which at hand up been a part of doing a bit that became very serious. Um, and a, I get it. It happens when your bit becomes real life. Um, one name that really bothered me was Pat Shermer. Um, oh, God. I, I actually I read that from Rittenberg. He like put that in his article and I, I, I got up at work and took a walk. I was like, <laughs> if that happened, I would I might like distant. I might just be a, this could become a basketball podcast. Like, I just don't know. The the names that fall into that bucket for me are essentially any like th- to me that's either means two things either uh, he was just being lazy like Rittenberg was just being lazy and throwing a name out there which I doubt is the case because he's a very good journalist but um, or he knows his agent which no. I think is probably the sure. and they just want to throw the name out there Pat like- Shermer. Pat Shermer was an NFL head coach who failed and a position coach who failed. And now he's an analyst at Colorado. Like, That's I'm sorry. Yeah. 
I don't think that's the guy I want to put in charge of my team. They like, talk about having no juice at all. Like that's just <laughs> juiceless. The, the lamest hire. So there's that one. It's just like a tangential person who was once attached to the university. Uh, and now the other ones are like the old position coaches or head coaches from the D'Antonio days. Uh, chief among them being Pat Narduzzi. Like, I, respect no. to Pat. He's been at, you know, Pitt for, gosh, probably close to 10 years now. And He's on the hot seat, man. What's that? He's on the hot seat. Yeah, they're not good. They've never they're been very four. good. They're one and four. Um, I mean, yeah, keep going. Sorry. No, I just, I, I don't think, you know, that's, that's a fun name 10 years ago. It's not a particularly successful football coach name uh, at this point in time. I'm sorry. I'm just like, I'm not, not moved by him. Talk about talking to donors and all, and, you know, getting, uh, you know, doing NIL. I mean, he lost Jordan Addison and complained to high heaven. And then, you know, I don't think he's probably ever enjoyed a donor dinner. So I don't think that's the guy you want to put in charge. I mean, you've seen I saw somebody float Dan Enos and I almost threw my computer window. Uh, So, yeah, any of those ones I think are (laughs) sort of lazy and I don't feel like are actual good football hires. It's cool that you can just say anything on the Internet. Yeah. Um, And okay, so let's get into those aren't funny names. Those were we were mad names. The funny names, um, I keep getting pushback. I'm going to keep saying it. Lane Kiffin. And, and here's why. I know we just talked about, like, controversy. But I don't, I, don't want, I don't think he's ever gotten in, like, legal trouble. Like, he's just been kind of a kind of – he's just been on everyone's radar for years. And he just pushes the limit, right? But what yeah. he also does now is he wins. Mm-hmm. He ends at places that you don't win at. He's he was banished to the the you know the the hell rings of of college of football period, and he has come back. And yeah. he has brought. If you go look at Ole Miss's first, go look at Florida Atlantic's win loss records before and after he was there. Oh yeah. Then then go to Ole Miss's. People have this weird like. Um, misconception of Ole Miss and Mississippi State football. It's terrible. In fact, it's like the worst in the SEC over time. So go look at the win-loss records. He won for the first time the most games in school history or something last year. It was like 10. It's like it's astonishing what he's done there. And he's trying to get in Saban's head, as you've seen. And I think we all know he's been kind of wanting the Bama job when Saban leaves. But – He's been at Mississippi for four years, and that's as long as he's ever been literally anywhere in his life. So he's he's itching to leave, and they're. I mean, he's got off. tons of talent there too. Like he that's, is. He yeah. is talk about a guy who has embraced NIL and gotten the donors moving. Like that's what I mean. And yeah. I think what we were talking about beforehand is like we don't have to dip down and grab an ACC or a Pac-12 or Big 12 coach. They're certainly possible, and it certainly could be a great hire. I just think we have almost, as a like fan base, ruled out the idea that someone could make a lateral move. And yeah. it's possible. And maybe Link Kiffin isn't the guy because his salary is something like $9 million or something like that. But on the flip side, like, I think Sheehan pulled it out to us. He's like, you know how much 
you can get paid here for one good season. Like we literally paid a guy nine and a half million dollars with with a checkered background check and gave him a ten year curse on it. Like we'll pay. So I don't know. It's possible. Money money is not the money is not the issue. The appetite is not the issue. I think with Lane, as with any of these, like call it funny opportunity like I think they're looking for a very almost milk toast type of like higher. I don't know. I don't know what they're looking for. I think I know actually, but I would love it to be Lane. If you're looking for like, if MSU was in a little bit more stable position or was like able to take on somebody that was like brash, I'd love to have Lane Kevin, but yeah, I don't know. Um, all right. Do yours. You had a good one. My. Your lateral move guy. My lateral move guy, I think, is uh, one that it, people might not be that super familiar with, but he's done a pretty good job. That's Eli Drinkwitz from Missouri. Wins. Uh, he's got Mizzou. Again, their, their wins are not super impressive, but they just lost LSU last week, too. But he's sitting there at 5-1 and one in the SEC. Made a bowl game last year with Mizzou going six and six. Um, the guy, again, six wins at Missouri in the SEC is not something that people should like just overlook. Like that's that's not an easy thing to do. Uh, and and he did it last year, and he did it the year before as well. He's beaten South Carolina two years in a row, beat Florida two years ago. I mean, they've done some things at a place that's ever since it's moved to the sec has been a very difficult place to do anything. And really even more than that, he can recruit. If you look at the classes that he's put together at uh, Mizzou and the ones he's got coming up, it's a pretty impressive group. And it's headlined by Luther burden. The third who is this year through six games has 54 catches, 793 yards and five touchdowns. He's just a freak, man. Legitimate cross-the-board five-star. Um, has one game under 100 yards, and that was at 97 catches for 96 against South Dakota. His last three games, I'm just going to read his stat lines. Against LSU, 11 one for 149. At Vanderbilt, 11 for 140 and two touchdowns. Against Memphis, 7 for 177 and, and 177. Uh Home against Kansas State, number 15, in a win. Seven for 114 and two touchdowns. Previous to that, Mid Middle Tennessee State, eight for 117. Like, dude just is a stud. And so, I don't know. Like, uh, again, it's an SEC job. You know, so there is some inherent advantage there. But at the same point in time, it's the only – you are you have a better program than one team in your division. And Texas and Oklahoma are common. So you're you're above Vandy. Aside from that, you hear your division, which you can make a is is probably the worst division, still has Georgia, Kentucky, Florida, Tennessee, and South Carolina in it. Yeah. I mean I, I don't know what you do with that. To get out of that meat grinder, I, I do I do wonder if he would take a look. I don't know. I mean, yes. But then it's like, you know. Big Ten's going to be no cakewalk here. That's true. I wonder if one other name I'll throw out that a guy who might just be done with, he, he raised the program to a new heights. 
and and he maybe sees there's a ceiling on it and he maybe finally saw it for the first time and it was confirmed last week it's mark stoops at kentucky mm. he has brought that i don't think people realize how bad kentucky was oh. like they they were like vanderbilt bad um for a very long time and i've always thought that he's kind of been biding his time for the iowa job um mm. until kirk leaves because they'll pay you a million dollars a win there oh like, yeah they don't care. They'll pay you seven mil a year, get seven wins, chilling. Like that's everyone's happy, right? And seven million dollars in Iowa City is a long well go a long way, man. So I don't know if Stoops like we know Stoops can recruit. He's always taking our guys. Like yeah. I, I don't know. I, I feel like he is also a kind of guy that um could fit. I, I've got one more. Okay. And that's Debate it all you want, but Kalen DeBoer from mm. Washington, okay. I think, is a legitimate one. Now, that's that you could actually make a very real argument as a step down in terms of job, uh, because the way he has Washington looking right now, um, it, it's hard to picture him leaving. However, and they are coming to the Big Ten. However, Michigan State's got a lot of resources. Michigan State doesn't have to... You know, they, they can recruit from all over the country. Not that Washington can't, but convincing a kid to go to school in Washington is about as remote as it gets, even if you're playing in Big Ten country. Uh, that's the location factor there is is huge. Yeah, you're on the West Coast, but imagine what's a flight from a flight from Portland to Seattle is still a couple hours. Like, you know, nothing's really all that close. So I do wonder if at some point he looks around um and says hey i just beat that team really badly twice i should go make that program a lot better uh you know and maybe maybe does that so i listen he'd be one of my first calls if we, if you're talking about wanting to go elephant hunting and you're in michigan state if you're the you know the head coaching um search party here he'd probably be in my number one call if i'm going elephant hunting he coached at indiana so he knows the midwest i mean guys done nothing but great stuff since he went to washington so uh yeah i think that's that's another another great one but i, mean, I don't know if that's in the land of possibility or reality there are some names that i think are that quite honestly would really really should really really get michigan state fans excited and i think there's really four that you and i have sort of honed in on yeah it, sorry before we go those quickly DeBoer is only making like 3.3 mil this year right exactly and they're gonna you know obviously give him a huge raise but what is a huge raise with the base salary of 3-3? Three, three? Like, for context, Mel was making 5-9 in 2020. Yeah. Like, that's the difference in program money, right? So I think that's just worth pointing out. But, yes, we um, we we are believers in Mike Elko and Charles yes. Hawk, Jake Dicker, and Jonathan Smith. Is there anyone you want to focus on more than any others? I actually think the inverse order there. Well, actually, I don't know. Uh, it's I think you can almost bucket like Dickert and Smith together. I mean, that's the Washington State and Oregon State head coaches, respectively. I think the theme between these four is that these are guys from lower tier programs. Elko from Duke, Huff from Marshall, Dickert from Washington State, Smith from Oregon State. That 
have succeeded at a lower level pretty with pretty outstanding results kind of across the board. Um, like I said, I think you can bucket Dickert and Smith together because they present similar they have similar drawbacks, but they and they likely have similar motivations. Um, they're both West Coast guys kind of through and through from what I understand. Uh, they've won at programs that are really difficult to win at with any type of consistency. They've util- both of them have utilized the transfer portal tremendously over the last few years. Uh, and they're both sitting currently without a conference beyond 2024. Uh, so it's you have to think that they're potentially very motivated to move and thus would maybe take less money or be a little bit more motivated to look for an interview. So I would expect both of them to be candidates for a multitude of jobs. I think they're both legitimate candidates for Northwestern as well. As And I think there's probably many others that will open up over the course of the next four months, three months that, uh, that they will be in the running for. Um, next up is Huff. I would put him probably as my second right now. Um, he doesn't have as long a track record. Uh, I suppose Dickert's is pretty pretty short, um, and Smith's is a handful of years longer. But Huff has been everywhere. Uh, if you look at kind of the the modern day prototype for an up and coming head coach, I think Huff is almost a perfect fit. He's been at Penn State, Mississippi State, uh, Alabama. He was an associate head coach. And if you look at, I think we mentioned this last time, the the kids he's recruited to these schools, they are big time. That's the big one for me. Very, like, very big time. It's so like, and you know, we can point at Dicker and DeBoer, but they, if you go and see, they weren't, they're not pulling dudes. Like the dudes at Washington, yeah. like the three NFL dudes and Penix, like Penix was, you know, a high three star that we know all that story. The three NFL dudes, um, I think they were from, was it, um, Jimmy Lake, yeah, as bad of a coach as he was, could recruit the hell out of guys. So there's just that factor here. And like Mel Tucker talked a lot of game about recruiting and ultimately didn't necessarily get it done. Elko has a better, for what it's worth, uh, track record with high-end recruits than, than Mel Tucker. So I know we didn't get to him yet, but I think Huff is also maybe in that tier A recruiter level and i think that's also a mandatory yeah i mean he has landed a significant amount of five-star recruits in his days names that i'll run off uh that that people know about jc latham five-star offensive tackle at bama dallas turner five-star edge at bama who's probably going to be a first round pick this year chris braswell same deal at bama uh, Damon Payne, defensive lineman at Bama. Miles Sanders, current starting running back for the Carolina Panthers. Ja'Cory Brooks was a five-star receiver to Bama. Uh, and finally, Ricky Slade, who's an all-purpose back, uh, who he, he recruited once upon a time as well. Um, and the list of four stars is l- extremely long. He's only been the head coach, I believe, j- this is only his second year, if I remember correctly. Um but if you look at his records last year, team went nine and four, including going on the road and beating Notre Dame uh, and then, you know, beating Georgia, Georgia Southern team that beat Wisconsin last year, excuse me, a Georgia State team that beat Wisconsin last year. They beat Appalachian State last year. Uh, and then this year, his team is sitting at four and one, just lost by a touchdown at NC State, 
beat Virginia Tech, beat Old Dominion, beat East Carolina. And while that isn't exactly a murderer's row, those are rock solid programs in his conference. And, you know, you have to just say he, he's won and he's recruited at the highest level. He know, you know, he's, he swims in those circles. He's a young man. I think he's only 40, 41 years old. So, you know, that could be a potentially fantastic uh, hire and somebody that's very attuned to the modern demands of, of head coaching. I love it. And then, you know, everyone's been talking about Elko. The, uh, and taking someone from Duke would make a lot of people happy, I think. So um, also has yeah. the chops. Uh, he's winning with dudes at Duke, and they have no talent, none. Yeah. Um, you know, if you want to look at stars, like certainly Riley Leonard is an absolute stud and probably should have been you know, rated higher, but he's winning with a lot of guys who are going to be accountants. And <laughs> like, that's pretty incredible. So it is incredible. It is incredible. They almost beat Notre Dame this past weekend. Uh, beat obviously beat Clemson first week of the year, and this is coming on the heels, you know, of a season where they went uh, eight and four. You know, they they beat nine and four. Excuse nine me, beat UCF in their bowl game. Uh, beat Miami last year. You know, had a very good season. So. Elko, I think one of the other things that he brings to the table is, again, his recruiting that Duke utilized the portal quite a bit, actually, despite probably not spending a whole lot of money, um, utilized the portal pretty well. And he has a background at Texas A&M. He was there. He he knows what big programs, how they operate. He knows what they look like. If you can turn around Duke in a short period of time, you got my attention. So I really think that um, Elko and Huff probably, to me, stand out as options one and two. I think Dickert and Smith are not too far behind because we've seen them do things really, really well. But there's some other names, you know, that that'll eventually, I'm sure, come out of the woodwork and become hot. I, I think the theme you're seeing with these four, in addition to um, kind of winning at the lower level, is that they've all been head coaches. Uh-huh. I, I think a lot of the time. You know, a school in Michigan State's position would consider, you know, if you take the, the in the position that they're looking for a new head coach for the long term. In under normal circumstances where all that happened was, hey, the coach didn't win, you fired him, so be it. I think coordinators would be very much on the table here. I think Jim Leonard would be a name that you'd be hearing a lot more about uh, in particular. But given Everything else that's going on at the university, I think Michigan State just needs that stable hand, someone who's done it before, who's going to come in like Mark D'Antonio did once upon a time and just stabilize things. Get Michigan State back to being an eight and nine win team that plays a certain style of ball, is well coached uh, and has an identity. Because right now, even under Tucker, like coming into this year, legitimate question was, what is Michigan State's identity? Because it was different from drive to drive, it seemed like. Yeah. Identity was really just chaos. And so that is not a way to be successful in college football. And so hopefully whomever they bring in has that as maybe their greatest strength is the ability to establish an identity with the program and university. I like it. And and I I've seen some pushback from people saying like we, you know, we should aim higher than eight you know, win seasons, nine win seasons. And, you know, while I agree, I think you need to have, take a reality check because the big 10 is adding four premier programs, playoff teams starting next year. 
will will probably have nine and three teams in them. Like that's with a 12 team playoff, the last team at large team in is probably going to be nine and three from either the big 10 or the sec. So it's not a big deal (laughs) to have an eight or nine win season that can get you pretty far depending on who you beat and who you lost to. Yeah. You just got to get back to sanity. That's the bottom line. And it's not to say that I'll put it this way. It's really hard to skip that step. If you're trying to build a program, you don't see teams come from these everything, you know, the house is on fire type of situations to just, oh, guess what? We're good again the next year. Now, like a much more drastic example of this is Penn State. Penn State went through crazy sanctions and then just kind of got back to being good. And then Franklin took them to another level. That's what you that's how you have to look at it. It's not an overnight Success in a way, I think this is Michigan State fans being spoiled by what we saw a couple of years ago with an 11 win season out of nowhere. That's that's the aberration. That's not what you can expect, nor is it what you should expect. Look at Michigan. I mean, Mich- Michigan went from just a disastrous 10 year stretch. I, yeah, I, I didn't. It's almost in, it's a, it's really incredible to look back. They won three and four games in a season like multiple times throughout a five or six year stretch. They were as bad as it got in college football for the major programs. And then they hired Jim Harbaugh. He came in, stabilized them at probably like nine ish wins. And then after time built something, built a a true winner backup. This is what happens. This is how, that's how it works. So when you, if you think, Oh, we should be better. We should be back in this conversation. A to your point, John, that conversation is getting wider. So you don't have to be as great to get into it theoretically in the future. Um, but also, you, you know, it's got to be a gradual build. Mark D'Antonio, again, perfect example. He did the same thing. He took it from chaos to order and then order became greatness. And that's what how Michigan State has to approach this build. Well, there are guys there that can, I think, can do it. So we'll sit tight. It's uh, unfortunately we're going to have to be waiting for a few more weeks and probably have to watch some bad football in between, but you know, at least Woo! hot boards are pretty fun. I'm not going to lie. Oh, um, it's more fun. I think it's more fun than the actual games. hundred uh, percent. I'd like to sim through the season, but the rest of the country has some fun games going on. We can go through a couple of them. Uh, Georgia beat the hell out of Kentucky 51 to 13. As we discussed I, for me, it's that Georgia figured it out and um, you now have, a team knocking on the door of being good. Yeah, I, I think this is the uh, this is what we've been waiting for, right? Like uh-huh. I know Kentucky is what they are. You know, it's not this this juggernaut of a program, but I think what you saw from Carson Beck, if you're a Georgia fan, is probably the most encouraging thing. Uh, Twenty eight to thirty five, three eighty nine, and four touchdowns. Brock Bowers back to being an absolute beast. You know a welcome sight for Georgia. And I think still has to be the odds on favorite to go back to back to back, which is insane. Um, Absolutely insane. Underrated. Like people are just going, just kind of glazing over it. Uh, Red river shootout lived up to the billing. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, the legendary drive to win. I got to think this is the game of the year candidate with the Sooners winning 34 to 30. This is a team that lost 49 to nothing in this very game last year. So um, I don't know. Venables has got them going, man. Yeah. Credit to, again, Brent Venables, hired as a hired 
last year didn't go great. Second year doing better. Uh, it's, 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 it's got to build, but yeah, credit to Dylan Gabriel, man, guy's been playing college football for the better part of a decade. And, you know, he's overcome a lot of injuries, but this, this had to feel pretty good. I hope we get a rematch, man. I hope there's a rematch in the big championship game. I'm pretty sure there will be, um, USC, uh, escapes against Arizona 43, 41 and triple overtime, uh, Arizona's freshman quarterback Fafita. His first start has five touchdowns. Um, that's a problem for Alex Grinch, who is single-handedly holding USC back from being a national championship contender. Uh, Caleb Williams no-showed, and um, people are starting to wonder if USC is a pretender. I got to know what Alex Grinch has on Lincoln Riley. I, know. I have to know. Just release the tape. Release whatever it is. We'll all get over it. And you can hire a new defensive coordinator, Lincoln. Like, just just, just rip the Band-Aid off, man. This is like 10 years of awful defense for no real reason. Uh, yeah, Caleb no-showing is not great for them. That's But, but this, this defense stinks. This defense, as soon as they play real teams, is going to get shredded. They will lose multiple games. If you look at their their, their last six games, has got to be up there with the most difficult in the country. They have, they're at Notre Dame this weekend. Home against Utah, at Cal, home against Washington, at Oregon, home against Ooh. UCLA. That's Ooh. five top 20 teams Ooh. in a lot. I mean, especially those last three, Washington, Oregon, UCLA, that's a lot of offense on yeah. those three teams. So you might you might be 9-0 and going in and lose your last three games. So, yeah, I don't know. That's crazy. Um, moving on, Alabama, up, you know, takes down Texas A&M 26-20 in College Station. Don't look now, but Alabama, that's a CFP team. Look at the schedule. I don't see them losing. Yeah, I mean, this this is the same thing that happens every year. They're only they're only losses to Texas, whose only losses to Oklahoma. Like the Bama will be in the, they will it's as good a loss as there is. They're gonna be in the conversation up until the very end. Losing at home is bad, though, I will say. Good. That's true. Still Bama. They win the SEC, they're getting in. They might even get in as a two-loss team because I don't know who's going for that number four spot right now. There's a lot of – it's wide open. Here's one to consider. North Carolina, uh, 600 yards of offense against Syracuse, 40-7 to win. Drake May keeps them in any game. So they're not going to the door. And they got Tez Walker back. Yes. And that honestly could be the thing that separates them – that like the fact that they stayed undefeated without him is great because now they got back what should be their best, honestly, their best offensive weapon. Period. They managed to survive what's actually like sneaky, not an easy slate of games. The meat of their schedule kind of coming up though. I mean, the biggest games right now they go into you know they're hosting Duke and playing at Clemson and then NC State at the end of the year. So they've got some tricky ones still. But yeah, North Carolina, like you said, Drake May is going to keep them in any game. That dude's a baller. Last game we'll look at is Georgia Tech takes down Miami in the single greatest blunder I've ever seen in college football. Truly, never seen a collapse like this. If you missed it, Miami had the ball. All they had to do was kneel. They chose to run a play instead. The kid fumbled. Georgia Tech gets the ball. They had 75 yards of passing offense through the game to that point, and in two passes went 75 yards and scored. It was it feels like Mario Cristobal did something 
very wrong and this was karmic. I don't yeah. know how else to describe it. Yeah, like the the monkey paw curled for him uh-huh. before this game. I swear to you, if this wasn't Miami, if they hadn't just spent all this money on Mario Cristobal, people would be talking about him getting fired because that's that's they as, are now. People are talking yeah. about it. I mean, it's it's inexcusable. Well, the fact the game was even close against Georgia Tech is yeah. I th- what people are really glossing over. Georgia Tech, a team that lost last week at home to Bowling Green, thirty-eight oh. to twenty-seven. Oh my God, Green people Bowling forget Green. Bowling Green, who was two and three, lost thirty-eight to seven to Ohio and got shut out against Miami, Ohio, twenty-seven nothing. Oh. Beat oh. Georgia Tech thirty-eight twenty-seven, and that same Georgia Tech team went on the road and beat Miami. I that's, don't, know, man. I I do. That's that's bad news. Uh, speaking time. of bad news, Nebraska went to Illinois and had decided to play a football game. Hmm. I get so jealous watching these games because I'm like, man, why isn't Michigan State in the Big Ten West? We'd belong there this year with how bad we are. Yeah, we would fit in very well historically to the Big Ten West uh, with the current team we're trotting out there. But I don't know, man. If Matt, it's God, being a Nebraska fan must be such a bummer. I mean, they won. I know, but still, he scored 20 points against. Imagine being an Illinois fan. Yeah, but they don't care. I think it's just bliss for Illinois. They're like, well, we had one year it was fun and we won seven games. Like, I know. That's the good for a generation. That's bad. <laughs> uh, Michigan beat Minnesota 52 to 10. Michigan is close to being good. Uh, Minnesota, terrible. They losing to Northwestern, losing by 42 at home. It's bad. Yeah, I'm. I can't possibly move Michigan to the good tier until they play a remotely good team. Okay. Like, tr- I need to see them. To, to on one hand, they do what you're supposed to do to bad teams, consistent uh-huh. in, a, in making it boring. But on the other hand, they haven't played anybody that's anything better than very bad. Eastern Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green. Rutgers, Nebraska, and Minnesota. Like that is about as lame a schedule as you can get. And it's not going to get any better. They're home against Indiana, they go to <laughs> Michigan State, and then they go to per- and then they play Purdue at home. Like th- they're going to be the easiest 9 and 0 they've ever been. And then they go to Penn State, mm-hmm. go to Maryland and host Ohio State. I they could easily go undefeated. But until they go and beat Penn State, I, you can't possibly say that they can't. You can't move them into the category of good because they have not played anybody that's remotely good. It's true. If Michigan State is the best team you've played through nine games, there's a problem. I, uh, and that's where they're going to be. I know. Games. It's very bad. Ohio State takes down Maryland 37 to 17. It is October and Maryland has arrived on schedule. Yes, indeed. It is the, the the pumpkin or the the glass slipper turning back into the pumpkin. Whatever the hell happens in that, we we have officially arrived. Marvin Harrison continuing to be a freak. Eight catches, one hundred sixty three and a tutty. Uh, yeah, Ohio State starting to figure it out a little bit here on offense uh, after uh, a close shave there against Notre Dame. So we'll see. That's another team. They put Purdue or they have Purdue next week and then Penn State in two weeks. I think we yeah. learn a lot about who the real contender for. The Big Ten is uh, in that game. Rutgers 
head to Wisconsin. Uh, the Badgers win 24 to 13. Rutgers is getting half a grade better every season. Um, Wisconsin is two games up, I think, on everyone in the West already, and they lost at Washington State. I'm just not totally blown away by the Badgers, but they're the best in the West. They are. Rutgers is four and two. Credit to Rutgers. I'm, I'm happy for them. Uh, Northwestern squeaked out a win over Howard this past weekend, 23 to 20. Howard outgamed the Wildcats. It's like, why can't we be in the West this year, man? Like, come on. It's, I don't know, man. I don't know. This is the question I've been asking myself for the last, whatever, it's like 15 years. Uh, <laughs> Northwestern gave up 177 yards on the ground to Howard's running back. Hey, yeah. good God. They're three and three, though. I give I Northwestern credit. They have won three games, which I don't think a lot of people thought was possible. It's true, but whatever. Iowa beat Purdue 20 to 14. Um, I was like five and one, and it's the worst five and one team in the history of college football. They their quarterback went six of twenty one in this game, and they won. Um, for what it's worth, Michigan State lost to that kid, which sweet. tells you what you need to know about Michigan State this year. Sweet, that's yeah. sweet. things yeah. are good. Things are fine. Um, yeah, uh, Brian Ferentz, things aren't looking good, buddy. You're uh, you're you're getting falling behind schedule here. Yeah. Uh, quickly through some national games, uh, Oregon at Washington is must-see TV. Uh, I think Panics and Washington win big in this one, but how do you feel with three-point favorites here? I don't know about win big, but uh, yeah, like you said, this is this is a must-see. I completely agree, must-see TV. Um, I don't know how to feel, man. They, I, the, the bone necks element is really, this is really like the convergence of two very odd mm-hmm. old talking points on this, like old bits <laughs> that we've had of bone nicks and Michael Phoenix colliding mm. in a real game in Oregon and Washington. Like what? <laughs> I yeah, know, that's all right. So um, I'd feel better if Washington did the thing. They deserve. They they're fine. I like them. I have no yeah. problem with them. Um, over under is sixty seven in this one. What do you think? Uh, I'm taking the over. Oh boy, that's a lot of points. Not a lot. Of t- yeah, to find, tell me where the defense is. I wish Washington's defense actually isn't all that bad. Yeah. Uh, we talked about USC heading to Notre Dame, where the Irish are two and a half points favorites. Um, <laughs> if they. If they win again and, and their defense is awful, at what point do you make a move midseason? Because you are you can't waste Caleb Williams. Uh, I mean, he's he's made it so far that it'll almost be – I mean, he came from Oklahoma to USC with Lincoln Riley. He's been around the block. Yeah, I don't think they're bailing on a midseason, but you know, you, you might as you might have a revolt in Southern California if you don't. But yeah, this was supposed to be this big, sexy game, but Notre Dame not holding up their end of the bargain here. Um, they could, you know, it would do a lot for the, for the program if, if I think they won this one. But I'll, if they lose, you're looking at like five and three, right? That's that's not great. Yeah. And you're looking at a lot of questions about Marcus Freeman, is what you're looking. Mm-hmm. At. Hey. Maybe MSU should hire him. Said Rico Beard. Michigan uh, takes on Indiana, 34 point favorites. <laughs> this is going to be bad. Yeah, they're going to cover. Um, Ohio State at Purdue. 
19 point favorites, but you mentioned Ohio State plays Penn State next week. Could this be an OPE game? The, Purdue, I think if you I asked any Ohio State fan, people would tell you Purdue is like the team that weirdly gives them fits every uh-huh. year, like Northwestern basketball for Michigan State. It's true. Um, I could see it for sure. Penn State, 42 and a half point favorite versus UMass. This will be uglier than the Indiana Michigan game. Yeah, just throw it deep, baby. Go deep, Penn State. Just lob it up. Do the thing. <laughs> Illinois at Maryland. Uh, I feel like Maryland's a 14-point favorite, and that's not nearly enough. This is the immovable object against the unstoppable force. October Maryland versus a bad Illinois team. Uh, <laughs> I tend to agree, go with Maryland. But again, we the the we're past September, so I know. all bets are off. And then the Big Ten West comes down to this already in week seven. Iowa at Wisconsin, nine and a half point favorite for the Badgers. Opened as a 37 and a half over under. It plummeted to a 34 and a half in the last 48 hours. I love it. Live with me. Light your wings on fire. Live with me and take the under. It's insane. And you know I take the Iowa under every week. Uh, it's undefeated for me. It's just they keep on giving. It's it's incredible. Um, if Wisconsin wins, I think they're three games up on the everyone or something, and two games up on the Big Ten West with tiebreakers over the second place teams. So, um, I had my boss was like, "Hey, you know, if they win, you know, I, should I go to the Big Ten championship game because you know it'll be the last one?" And I was like, "Buddy." You better go for two reasons. Indianapolis is great, and you ain't ever going back. Like, I don't care if you have Luke Fickle. You guys, the free ride is over, Badgers. You don't get to just yeah. go to the championship every year anymore. Yep. Just say welcome. Yeah, I, I agree. You just lock it in. Go to Indy, eat some horseradish, and enjoy the last time. So Michigan State's program is in a place where they are – Four-and-a-half-point underdogs to Rutgers, a team they've only lost to once in their entire history. Uh, an over-under of 39, looking at a 22-17 to 17 final. Got to think that there's going to be a change at quarterback with the uh, idle week last week. What do you want to see in this one? I want to see some life. I want to see some signs of life. Like that uh... – I want to see some pride. I want to see. It's so weird. Like we're sitting in what feels like this lost, gelatinous, like bubbly, weird season spot. So I think really what you want to see from Michigan State for the remainder of the season is production from young players who could stick around and continue to be a part of this program. And I think that starts at the quarterback position. In all likelihood, Caden Hauser getting the start. A lot of fans have been clamoring for it. Um, you're finally going to get it. I think he's had a bye week to prepare. And now's the time. And yeah. you just hope. I think I think it, it is important to kind of have this bit of like belief in the future that the guys you're watching will be a part of the team. Like You just have to watch and – Cross your fingers that, you know, they want to stick around. But um, I, I'll put it, I'll say this about specifically the quarterback position. 
tough to get a power five starting job. Yep. You have one at a program like Michigan State, and you've got two years left after this one, the three years technically in terms of eligibility, uh, to be the guy under a new head coach. This is, you know, if you want to put yourself in a position to keep that job and be the guy for the new coach, now is the best possible time to start putting good tape out there. So um, it's hard for me to 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 expect unless he comes out and lights the absolute world on fire that Caden Hauser would be going anywhere no matter how he plays like again unless he turns into a you know an absolute supernova so um hopefully he can come out and just look confident show us something and, and give us some excitement and reason to believe for the future I mean the good news is every single player on the roster can't quit they need to get out good tape, like you're saying, yeah. if they want to play anywhere else. I mean, it is not a guarantee that you enter the portal that you get picked up, much less start at other or uh, programs. So everyone, you're going to see a, a unified effort. Well, rather, you're going to see effort, whether it's unified and um, put together is another thing, because we haven't seen much of that. Um, the great news is they're playing a terrible quarterback. Yes. The bad the bad news is Deacon Hill, Iowa's backup quarterback, came in and beat Michigan State. Um, and he went 6 of 21 the next week against a not good Purdue defense. <laughs> you know, it's the last bad quarterback you're going to play until your boy at Indiana. So um, this is it. At that you still got Minnesota and Nebraska on the schedule. So let's not it's go true. crazy there. But, but here's, here's the bottom line is that if Michigan State wants to make a bowl game, mm-hmm. they have to win this game. Oh, There's, yeah. I mean, you if you look at Michigan State's seven remaining games, three of them are against Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan. Listen, anything's possible. Currently, all three of those are slated to be played at night, uh, one of them on the road at Ohio State. I'm not sure I see any wins coming out of, of, of those three. So you only have two wins right now. For all intents, you, you got to get the six, really. So you got to beat Rutgers, you got to beat Minnesota, beat Nebraska, beat Indiana. It, it, literally, your season, you're six weeks in, and your season could end today. So, well, it's the team to play. Um, sure is. They're better than you know Rutgers of the past, but still the team to play. You know this, and um, you know, yet you got to. Michigan State was, despite how terrible it looked right there against Iowa, they just couldn't make enough winning plays. Um, I think Rutgers has less is worse than Iowa. If you know, certainly not on offense, but you know, the defensive unit of Iowa is better than in, in either unit on Rutgers. So I gotta see some points, man. Like, I'm yeah. sorry, we make fun of Brian Ferenc, but Jay Johnson, like, he got outscored by Brian Ferenc. So until yeah. further notice, Jay, you are Brian Ferenc's bitch. Yeah. I mean, you let him uh-huh score more than 25 man dude i don't know what to tell you like so i don't know maybe Caden, this is it the time is now buddy we are ready um we this is a university and fan base that is very very hungry for for something good and it could happen this saturday yeah yeah, I mean, this is it. This is your chance, guys. If if you want to give yourself legitimately something to continue playing for this season, aside from personal interests and good tape, it's got to start this weekend. I think they get it done. Um, anything else, Austin? Basketball season's almost here, John. Oh, we will have a preview soon. Yes, indeed. That's what I'm excited about. 
too. Me too. I can't wait. Yeah. All right, man. That's all I got. All right, guys. As always, thanks for sticking with us. For John, this has been Austin. We'll catch you next time. Boop.